0: This is Annie Grace, and you are listening to this Naked Mind Podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace and welcome to this Naked Mind Podcast. I am here today with a special guest, Jamie. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's awesome. So I love your story because it is um, not necessarily the typical, everything was Rose's story. And I know we'll, we'll get to that, but I think it's so powerful and so important to share. So first of all, thank you. Thank you for having the courage to share it, especially when it's, um, you know, not not your typical story. So I really would love it if you could just sort of take me back kind of maybe even to the beginning, like it all sort of started for you. Um, I don't really was... I even
1: remember specifically my first drink, but um, I know that I definitely drank since college, and I think a little bit in high school, but not very much. Um, and I always it it it's pretty typical, I think, of people that are problematic. Whereas I had like a really high tolerance, and I really could hang, and I you know, and uh, really enjoyed it, and really had a good time, and party pretty hard. Um, and it well, it wasn't great. It, it wasn't really a problem for, for a pretty good long time. And in addition to having a high tolerance, I was also like really functional. Like I very rarely got hung over and there was just all these factors that just kind of led to me having this like long drinking career when really I probably shouldn't have. But I will say that I felt like other people I drank with who drank heavily or, you know, occasionally or often or whatever, always seemed to have like a much healthier relationship with it. Like they were just like, well, it's fun. And I was just like, okay. And it, my I had a lot of shame with it from the beginning, like I was always really embarrassed and um, you know not really trying to hide things necessarily, but just really just bad feelings, just negative feelings associated with the whole time and um, I mean I drank off and on throughout my entire adulthood I'm in my early forties now. Um, I have had two kids, and I stopped during pregnancy like no problem it was no big deal um, and the thing that probably started to change was after my second kid, I started blacking out more and more. And that was always problematic. And I was blacked out a lot more than I admitted. But um, boy, it was I, I was really good at like just playing it off like everything was cool. And uh, in reality, I didn't remember a lot and uh, was really embarrassed and really felt really ashamed of all that. Um, and I had a really bad blackout where I was on a trip for work, which is super humiliating and um, was in a foreign country and woke up and I you know, I was in a hotel room and I, it was mine, fortunately, but I didn't know how I had gotten there. Or, I mean, I honestly had no idea what had happened from about dinner time on. Um, and, and it, you know, it just wasn't good. I wasn't necessarily in trouble or anything, but I felt terrible about it. I just, it was just, you know, I don't know that it was rock bottom. Cause I think people associate rock bottom with, you know, losing your job or losing your family, but it was kind of just my personal rock bottom where I was just like, this just can't continue. And I started looking for ways to quit. Um, I had considered AA off and on throughout the years. Um, and I just, I just, for whatever reason, I just knew it wasn't the right fit for me. I don't even know that it was something I could specifically articulate. It just, I just knew it was not something that would work for me. And it wasn't until I found some people that are on Instagram and who have blogs, who were sort of this new type of sober person that I didn't know existed where you're not deprived and it's not like you're being punished. And it's really just kind of choosing a new great way to live your life. And that was really transformational for me. And then that led me to your book. And um, I don't want to repeat the story too much, but I was like really deliberate about it, deliberate about how I read the book. I um, kind of prepared for it and said, okay, I'm I'm really going to do this. And I'm really going to stick it. And I think I'd really not that the book wasn't super helpful, but I think I'd made up my mind before I even started. I just knew I kind of needed to like cement this mindset in myself. And I thought from what I knew about the book that that would be a good way to do it. And I'd say it has been. It's, it's been, I quit um, September 28th, 2017. And we're almost in December of 2018. Awesome. So yeah, so it's been a year and some and um, it's not been... You, you alluded to the fact earlier that it's been a little troublesome, and it has been. It's not, though, that I've been tempted. It's that the aftermath was um, was not as rosy as I'd hoped. Um, do you want to get into that now, or do you want
0: to? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd love to get into it. I mean, I feel like your story is is so powerful, because I think that this is true, actually, probably for more people than we sort of admit. And often when people are kind of coming on they're like, okay, we want everything to just be roses, right? But I think we need to talk about the fact that it isn't always roses. So yeah, I'd love for you to tell me sort of how how that transpired for you, like how you felt initially and then, and then how it kind of went on. Um, so,
1: it, it, you know, you talk about how there's this impression that it's gonna be one way. I mean, like those before and after pictures were from these like glowing and thin, <laughs> after for the after that never really happened for me if anything i'm probably like heavier than i was but i'll tell you why in a minute so i stopped at the end of september and i live in england and the winters are quite cold and they're quite gray and i was kind of looking forward to this idea of you know i don't know maybe doing a little spiritual exploration maybe doing some meditation that's something that's very common in a lot of people that i had read about um i bought a book that was supposed to help me do that i uh, you know, had also internalized this idea that, you know, even if you can quit easily, the recovery may take some work. And I think even knowing that going in, I like for myself, I really underestimated how much work it would take. So first of all, a lot of people talk about like an instant healthy feeling and an instant lift and instant positivity or clarity or whatever it is. I mean, I felt better. Don't get me wrong. Like I was always pretty kind of low lying, and tired and stuffy you know just from because you know i was drinking wine every single night um sulfates will get you and uh i uh that went away and i was really happy about that like that was pretty cool but it wasn't like it wasn't like this veil lifted that people talked about or anything like that it, that in itself was not particularly transformational um and uh and th- th- all the stuff i tried just it just didn't stick you know it was just it was just too hard to get out it was crappy out and I don't drive. And I, you know, it just, everything was just kind of a pain and I have two kids and I work full time and I was commuting into central London from greater London. And I, you know, it just, every time was a huge issue. Like I would just go, 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 go. And then I'd have like two hours at the end of the night, maybe after the kids would go to bed before I should go to bed. And I felt like, Oh, I should, you know, like be using this time for this newfound productivity I'm supposed to have. And it just didn't happen for me. Like I just kind of sat on the sofa and scrolled through the internet and sometimes looked for inspirational things, sometimes read really toxic political things. Cause there was a whole lot out there. I mean, there still is, but a whole lot out there in the time when I was, was giving it up. And, and that's like how I was spending my life and it, and it, it sucked, but I didn't really know what else to do or how to change it because I wasn't drinking. So I felt like, well, it's working, you know, and even, even though I got bummed out, it was still better than, than being drunk like that I, I was certain about that but there was a couple of things like I like a couple of clues along the way that you know I, I kind of said something to my husband one time because I was just really just very irritable or you know really upset about things and I was like you have to understand that I'm feeling my feelings for the first time in like 20 years like they're all there and it's really overwhelming and I don't I'm not handling it very well and I know that but that's that's what's happening to me and I could see his face kind of go oh like, right, that, that is what's happening to her. And, um, and kind of trying to explain to him that even though quitting was easy, it was still hard. Like, it's a complete paradox. I don't know how to articulate it any better than that. It was it was very easy to quit. And I want to make it as simple as, you know, living as a silver person is what was hard. But I, it's not even that it was just something about the act of trying to inhabit this like new version of myself it it just was difficult I just found it hard I also we had moved to London about a year year and a half beforehand so I had some people I was friends with but nobody I was like super close with yet and so I was really isolated and anybody I had made friends with were like moms I would drink with you know or whatever so I it just wasn't people that I'm sure it would have been fine but I didn't feel like they were people I wanted to talk to about what was going on with me. So I want to say that I, you know, mostly took through the whole winter. And finally I was, you know, ended up uh, booking a therapist and, uh, and she was great. And she really brought up some interesting stuff, but primarily, you know, she had me articulate that I was very angry (laughs) that I had done this work of quitting and I didn't feel like I was reaping any of these promised benefits of clarity and the pink cloud. And I mean, I wanted a pink cloud. That sounds great. And it just wasn't happening for me. And again, I feel the need to repeat. It's better. It was worth doing. It just, it just wasn't what I thought it would be. And it, and it was hard in a lot of ways that I wasn't expecting. And and I, I truly did, I got depressed. Like she didn't put me on medication or anything, but it was like talk therapy and then a couple of sunny days finally happened. And I was just like, Oh, that's what that was. Like I was really, I was down there and, and I just didn't even realize it because I thought I was just getting used to this new version of my life. But I think there was a little bit more to it too.
0: Well, it's so interesting because, well, first of all, you're talking about this in the past tense. So I just want to clarify that. Is that really where it is for you now at this point in your life? Um,
1: yeah. I mean, I, I, I do feel better kind of across the board now, and I felt much better after I completed the course of therapy, and I had, um, you know, it had given me the ability, ability to com- communicate some sort of difficult concepts to my husband, and I think he, once he got it better, it was a little bit better. Um, I have, unfortunately, we moved towns again, so I'm, I'm sort of re-isolated, and uh, we're heading into winter again, and I, honestly, I was walking to work the other day, and it felt that gray, familiar cold, and I was just like, oof. There's that feeling again. You're like, it, like it's coming. So I'm hoping that this year, since you know I have an idea of what can happen and what can cause that, that maybe um, maybe I'll be a little bit more prepared to handle it. But I do. I feel optimistic about this new move. I don't feel like I ever really found my feet in the previous town. Um, so I, I do feel optimistic about some things. Um, I, I wouldn't say a hundred percent that it's that it's in the past. It's some, It's clearly something I'm aware of on a day to day basis. But that like really down in the drum, dumps, doldrums type of thing is, is over with now, yeah.
0: It's, it's so interesting because, so I've struggled with depression for, I, it's funny, because in my mind I've always had 17 years, and, but then I just did the math and I realized that actually I'm now 40, so it's actually been 21 years because it really started when I was 19. And I think I wrote 17 years in the book and then it just kind of stayed that way, like I just stayed, that, anyway. <laughs> you but froze it, time. It, 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 I froze time and it's not so I have managed through stopping drinking to get all off all the medications and deal with it more naturally but it's still there it's not that it ever really like there are still days I had a day a few days ago I'd say you know I mean maybe they're once a week maybe they're a few times a month maybe they're for a period of two weeks here and there like but there's times when I am just literally miserable like i I'm crying all the time or always on the verge of tears or even worse, just so apathetic that I can't even, don't even feel like getting out of bed. Don't feel like doing anything. And I think that experiencing that and not having that, okay, I might be feeling this way, but guess what? I can just go get drunk later. And not even having the awareness, not even having the cognitive ability to be like, okay, there's, you know, it was almost something like, I just have to get through the day. That was very much the feeling when I was drinking, I just have to get through the day, right? Because then I could get drunk enough to turn it off. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't aware that there were good days and bad days. I wasn't aware that there were some days that I wasn't thinking I just have to get through the day. And that there are some days that I was thinking I just have to get through the day. I had no knowledge of the cadence of my anxiety or my depression, right? And like, so I think that would I have had an expectation, which I completely understand your expectation. And I think a lot of my work probably even could feed into that expectation. And certainly with one year, no beer and stuff. I mean, there's so many of these positive stories that we're trying to put out because I think that a lot of, of meetings and stuff, it's like, okay, it's gonna suck, but then it will get better eventually. And we've mm-hmm. tried to come at it with this. Okay, it's actually gonna be pretty great. Um, but I do think that if I would have gone into stopping drinking with an expectation, because I didn't have any expectation. I just knew I couldn't be drinking anymore, right? So, but if I would have gone into it with an expectation that somehow it was going to lift my depression, I would have been really, I would have been really in the same boat that you are, and I, or were, and I think that it's it's just fascinating because now, yes, I was able to get off those medications and start to manage this more holistically, more naturally, working with a naturopath. But I still do stuff very consciously, like. I have to exercise. I have to eat protein. I have to, like a lot of my friends that use that SAB light for, you know, the seasonal affective Mm -hmm. disorder. Yeah. I got, I'm probably going to get me one of those. Yeah. You've got to be really conscious about this stuff and the days that you're not, the days that you don't work out, like it hits you like a train wreck, you know? And, and I just find it interesting that actually that entire journey for me um, had nothing to do with alcohol. It was just exactly like what you said to your husband, that the not having the numbing exposed the reality of what was really happening. But if you had had this idea and this expectation that, okay, it's going to be sunshine and roses, I can see how that's kind of the perfect storm. And I just have to tell you, Jamie, like, holy cow, like good for you. Like I'm so impressed right now that you went through all that and really just said, okay, this sucks, but it's not, worth going back to drinking like that is so cool and so unbelievable because I I feel like people really do fall in that trap a lot where they say okay well this sucks it's like well the things actually suck before and actually they're gonna suck less when you realize your own personal kind of cadence of emotion and cadence of seasonality and cadence of you know different hormonal things as women and whatnot and and then you're gonna learn tools to make them suck less but if you just say this sucks, and I go back to drinking, they eventually come back out of drinking. But it just like spirals, because then they're on that side, and it still sucks. And it's even worse sometimes. And then they're on this side, and it still sucks. Blah blah blah. But anyway, I just I'm really impressed with with the fact that with the con like kind of the confluence of, of your expectation, and just dealing with this that you have probably dealt with your whole life, you just haven't been as aware of um, that you just have stayed so strong. I mean, I, I think that's just amazing.
1: I appreciate it. That's really that's really nice. Um, you were like really functional as a drinker. Is that right? Is that what yeah? I remember?
0: Super functional. I mean, I nobody even when I stopped drinking. The people on my team were like, "You, you stopped r-? like you're not the one who was ever dancing on like we never even saw you drunk." Yeah, there was yeah. Well, I was
1: I was also, and then I was I'm really functional as a depressed person too, and I think that that kind of is part of why it's weird to say, like, I didn't know that that's what was happening to me. But I was just like, Okay, I'm just I'm gonna get my head down. And I got to get through this day or this week or this, you know, in my life and just keep going, 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 but it was just, you know, it was just kind of miserable. the whole time. And It was just like, Well, I, I got to function, you know, I, I can't not go to work. I can't not take care of my kids. So I just have to, I just have to keep moving. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I just was curious if you had kind of the same experience.
0: Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because I think when you are, I think one of the symptoms of being really functional and this just came to me. So it's a theory I'm testing out as I say it, but I think it is true is that it is that you are really putting other people first. So you're putting your kids first, you're putting your career first, you're putting other people's expectations first, you're putting all of this stuff first. And, um, it's a little noisy in here. And when you put everything first, then you don't pay as much attention to what's going on in your inner life or Mm -hmm. in your emotions. And then it bubbles out. Like that's at least how it was for me. So it'd be like, I'd be super functional, not happy, but super functionally depressed for sure. Mm -hmm. Super high achieving depressed person for sure. Get through all that stuff. But then all of a sudden you'd find me crying on the floor of the closet. Like, oh my gosh, like what happened to her? You know, total like this train wreck that Pretty much nobody but me would see, right?
1: Yeah, I got a promotion while well, I was like, I really like. You want to talk functional? And um, I would not so much bubble out. Mine would come out in a fiery rage every, every couple of weeks, much to the uh, to the delight of my family. But yeah, I mean, it, it's. I think it's just different, different colors of the same pattern
0: the truth is that alcohol numbs you it was used as an anesthetic for surgeries before they realized it was too toxic like it numbs you mentally and it numbs you physically and so if if you're struggling with stuff and you've been using it unintentionally and i think i was certainly very unintentional with my use of it as an antidepressant and it is not a good antidepressant i mean i i really like the analogy of it's like basically taking this festering wound that actually needs to be cleaned out and like treated um with like antibacterial stuff and taking it and just putting this wet band-aid on it and, like yeah. ignoring it and letting it just like get worse and worse um because it doesn't solve anything like if you think of medicine right medicine theoretically antibiotics you take them for a course and then you cured your infection and you're better you know whereas alcohol like you need more, not less of it. And medicine should theoretically make itself irrelevant. It should make itself so that you no longer have to use it. Alcohol does the opposite. It makes itself more and more relevant and necessary the further you go into kind of the addictive cycle. And so I think that all the, it, it, it works so superficially, and then so doesn't actually work, but we don't even realize, and I have this, you know, a lot of people come to me like, wow, am I actually, am I actually depressed? Am I actually dealing with some stuff? And I think what also is very cool about your story is you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go to a therapist. I'm going to find the tools. Like people have figured this out before, so I'm going to figure it out too, but I'm not going to go back to drinking because that, you know, that does, somehow you saw the, the, the futility of that.
1: I mean, I think it was from your writing, honestly, that I just had, throughout all of it, when it was bad and when it was hard, I mean, I did have this kind of unshakable belief, because, I mean, I think it was an unshakable belief, because it was true, that all of this would be worse if I was tired and dehydrated and embarrassed. You know, like, those are three things that I don't need to just layer right on top of this struggle that I'm having right now, and, and, you know, and I did know that, and I, yeah, I still think that, Um, so, yeah.
0: Oh, that's so cool. That's awesome. I love that. Um, so let me ask you the question that I ask at the end of, of all the podcasts, which is like, what would you go back in time and tell Jamie of before about what life is like now? Oh, gosh. And maybe um, you can even answer it in two ways. Like, not only the Jamie that was drinking, but the Jamie that was really struggling that first winter. I
1: mean, I think that... So... <laughs> I, for whatever reason, I've I've been, you know, as you quit drinking and you keep going, you kind of keep peeling the onion and you find all these layers and you find all these things about yourself. And I know, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I've been thinking a lot about, um, about why I've been drinking and, and how much of it is, uh, tied into this desire to erase myself. Um, and that's what I was always trying to do is I was trying to erase myself and or these parts of myself I didn't like so that I can then like interact with other people or have fun or get through an evening or whatever it was. You know, I mean that's really what it was about. And I would tell early days Jamie that um that uh you know, I don't need to erase myself, that it's it's okay to just kind of be my whole self and and go out there and I don't need this to to do that. And I, and I don't need to do it period. You know, like I, it's a right to just be my entire person and to just be there. I have one more thing for early days, Jamie, can I do too? Okay. And then the other one is that I have also sort of internalized. I'm realizing this just, there's no rhyme or reason to it, but just this list of stuff that I can't do. Like, I don't know what, you know, and I think I've done it ever since I was a kid. And you know, some of it's realistic, you know, I, I probably can't go out and get a job as a race car driver or whatever, but you know, it along you know, gathered up in that list are some things that probably I could do. And I have realized that quitting drinking was something that just in my mind, I just thought I just can, you know, it's just, it's just not for me. And I, and I just thought that was true. And I thought that I was this person that just had to drink and just, you know, and I, and I kind of, I wish I had told early days me to, you know, to actually take this seriously as a consideration that it's it's an option. Because my, my regret is that I didn't quit earlier. And I try to Remind myself that I'm very lucky and that people don't quit at all very often and and things can go much more awry and my kids are still very young and they probably will have no memory of their mom drinking, which is pretty amazing. Um, but I mean those are the things I would tell early days. You don't have to erase yourself and scratch out the lists of of stuff you can't do because um a lot of times it's it's crap. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. And then I don't know, man, depressed me, I'd probably just kind of give a pat on the back and just say, keep doing what you're doing. Because I don't know that there was any getting out of that faster than I did, to be perfectly honest. It it may just very well, as hard as it was and as endless as it felt and disappointing as it was and as angry as I was, it might've just been something that had to happen that I had to do just to, just to get here. And it's not, I never did find that pink cloud. You know, it's, it's not all, all roses and, and wonderful, but the unshakable belief is still there that it's better this way anything that's hard, anything that's challenging, I am free from shame, which is just huge for me. I spent so much time ashamed. I spent so much time embarrassed. I spent so much time lying to people and lying to myself and trying to cover up simply because I, was, I felt shame for my habits and for what I could not couldn't control as far as they went. And um, living without it, that is just, is just huge. And even though I didn't get severe hung- hangovers ever, which is kind of probably part of the problem that kept me going for a while, um, even not getting like the low level ones is pretty great. Like it's nice sitting on the train. And if I feel a little nauseous, it's like, okay, I'm probably sick, you know, not like, Oh, what's happening? You know, is this because I drank too much last night or whatever? It's, it's good to feel really honest with your body and with your health about what's happening, because drinking kind of makes it all like a lie. Like you think everything has to do with the drinking and it and sometimes it doesn't yeah Yeah, there's a new level here there's a new level of honesty and it it is all worth
0: it oh that's so cool that's so cool um something that you just said oh the pink cloud i wanted to talk about that really fast yeah and those are beautiful by the way i love that idea but um so i didn't really even know what and, and this is silly because i'm kind of in this i guess space but i've been very much in my own story and so i haven't really been in kind of the space in terms of the terminology and and all of the all of the different things people say i'm sure there's still lots for me to learn but anyway i only found out that about this pink cloud like probably four months ago when somebody had asked a survey of what sort of things and uh, something and somebody had responded something about the pink cloud and i was like huh what is the pink cloud and so i looked at and um, the pink cloud is actually not really a positive thing, how it's, how it's articulated, at least from what I read. It's more of something that you have this deception that's very short-lived, that's artificial, that you feel great, but then as soon as there's no, there's no tenacity or endurance or resilience built up in that. So it's actually seen as when people are in the pink cloud, people look at them and say, oh, poor them because they're just gonna get right back on that train and go right back into it. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, My like, just a different perspective on that idea of like, it's never showed up, like, maybe that's a good thing, because maybe that level of like, from the rooftops, I'm, you know, sober, and it's amazing, it's the best thing ever, actually, isn't the true resilient thing. Maybe that would have, you know, just been something that was like a puff, that ultimately was a flash in the pan and didn't, get you where where you really ultimately want to go I guess
1: I still wanted it though I understand that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no I, I I hear what you're saying and I would take long-term resilience over you know because I I mean another thing that kept me from quitting for so long was I was super whether I thought about it consciously or not, I was afraid of failing. Like if I decided I tried to quit and I couldn't do it, then I was going to be one of those people that was on the wagon, off the wagon, and, you know, and ooh, and, you know, are we allowed to drink around them? And I, I was just, I hate, I did not want to be one of those people. Um, so I do think the way I did it and the, you know, even though it took me a while and even though I had to go through a pretty dark winter, um, I will say that what you're saying that, you know, kind of layering this, this work on top of this resilience on top of this, you know, this solid foundation is is probably better. And it's been good for me.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like, what's so cool about your story is that it is your path and you've owned it. And like, that's like, it's exactly what was right for you. You know, who are we to know, you know, and I think we, we can get really caught up in comparing. I, I did it this morning. I was reading a book by someone who just I just started comparing myself to her and I'm like, Oh, geez, this is disastrous, you know? So, um, anyway, that's really cool. Well, Thank you so much. This has just been awesome. Just been such an honor. I really, really appreciate getting to know you and you sharing your story and, and just being able to have this conversation about when things aren't all roses, because I think it is, like I said at the beginning, just such a vital and important topic. And I think that this will be, you know, a really, really well, um, what am I trying to say? A podcast that people relate to.
1: really. I hope so. And I I do feel indebted. Those first stories I found, I I, I honestly, I don't know where I would be now if other people hadn't opted to share their stories. So this is part of my ongoing self care. This is how I pay it forward. And this is, I think, part of the work of, you know, continuing to be sober and continuing to recover. So I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that.
0: That's great. Well, thank you so much. And I just hope you have a really wonderful day. Thank you. You too. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.